Nine minutes it is before 8 p.m. It's our wrap of the top business stories here on Metro FM Talk on the mighty Metro. And joining me to take a look at the big stories of the day, coming through from retail, telecoms, and of course, as can be expected, from Parliament in relation to SAA, where it seems the Parliament Standing Committee on Public Accounts once again, I guess... Yeah, fed up by the uh, no-show on the part of uh, the Business Rescue Practitioners and the Department of Public Enterprises. Makwe Masilela joins me now on the line, uh, Chief Investment Officer and Founder at Makwe Fund Managers. Makwe, who's that, Buru? Sweet, how's it, my auntie? Yeah, sweet, no smog, Makwe, sweet, no smog. I want us to start off with that story, SAA. Now, uh, they've been in uh, Business Rescue since, uh, I understand, I think November 2019. Um, and, uh, hey... I guess tough going and uh, the process uh, continuing, uh, but it seems now uh, Parliament, uh, le- what with um, I guess the allocations that SAA has received in the budget, would have expected a uh, update on the business rescue process, and uh, many were expecting that they would receive it today. But uh, the business rescue practitioners uh, weren't able to pitch, and uh, I guess uh, the shareholder representative as well. Yeah. And uh, as rescue practitioner, when it comes to extensions, they've mm. never met any deadline. So it's not surprising that, you know, on the 11th hour, they will give Scopa a notice that they won't be able to show up. And yes, it's worrisome because here we are talking about the money and bearing in mind that this is the kind of money that most people were not approving. And as we've been saying that there are more pressing needs, you know, that maybe the government should have allocated the money to. As we're talking now, we've got issues here with students as well. So on top of that, People have given you money. People are not too happy with that whole thing. But you still continue to behave or give Scopa that kind of attitude. I don't think it's fair. But I'm not too sure if not the uh, Department of Public Enterprises didn't show up. Apparently, I think they did. Well, so I guess some of the reports are suggesting that uh, the high-powered delegation that was expected uh, didn't pitch. So uh, I don't know, Mark, you know, if... uh, Maybe one of the um, sort of uh, analysts or, or even, I guess, uh, you know, one of the uh, chief directors might have been there. But uh, I guess the reports, um, you know, as, as, as they are suggesting, uh, were that many of the big decision makers from the uh, Department of Public Enterprises weren't at the session. But um, certainly stand to be corrected there. And uh, I guess it's something we must um, check up on. But Mark, I guess mm-hmm. the other story for me is all of the smoke and daggers, all of the secrecy around... Um, the future of the balance sheet of SAA. What's going to happen to that debt? What's going to happen uh, with the story of a you know strategic equity partner that might inject some new money uh, and the new SAA that might rise from the ashes? It seems no one's talking about that, but what we know uh, is that uh, the allocations continue. It does continue, and we've been told that, hey, we have to do the allocation so that or is one of the conditions required by potential private equity partners. Who and even who? today, after we've done that, nothing has come up. And you ask yourself that, listen, remember that debt of almost $12 billion, mm-hmm. It was mainly commercial banks that were owed the money. Mm-hmm. So was the government trying to help commercial banks one way or the other or not? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the guys at least are now guaranteed their money. And you've got the most important asset, which is your workers. Even today, the guys are not too happy with this whole thing. So you ask yourself that who got to be prioritized here? I mean, everyone, they will tell you, 
whether it's private or public companies, they'll tell you that their most important assets are their employees. Mm. But to look at the way they've treated SAA employees over the bankers. And I think we don't have to shy away that the commercial banks so far, they don't have a problem because yes, government yes. managed to make sure that they get their money as they guaranteed that debt. They didn't have any haircut, Ayabonga, because sometimes in situations like this, mm-hmm. you end up with some haircut as a lender, but not with the commercial banks that manage to help SAA. So one or the other, I think this whole thing was to make sure that the guys get their money mm-hmm. as commercial banks. Yeah. I mean, just clarify me here. My understanding is that Mango is still flying, right? I'm sure I've been on Uh, Mango flight. uh, To my knowledge, I don't think it is. I'm not too sure about that. Because that that would be... Well, it is. Wait, wait, wait. I think they're marketing flights, Makwe. Okay. Yes. I'm I'm, I'm seeing um, just on my... uh, As I talk about it, um, it looks like they're marketing flights. Um, Yeah, a flight, I guess, Joburg to Durban... Okay, um, but but the reason why I ask this is because we know that they are a subsidiary of South African Airways, um, and I certainly haven't heard anybody talking about what happens to uh, Mango in the context of the new SAA, um, and um, in all of these discussions, I guess about uh, rejigging of the capital structure of the airline. As much as it is a subsidiary, obviously with its own balance sheet, mm. I think the new SAA will come in more of the format of the kind of mango, you know, the low-cost flying kind of a thing, because that's what has been happening. Look at the likes of the ones that have been uh, launched, your Lyft, yes, your Kulula, yes. you know, that kind of a thing, your Fly SA. So I think for them to survive, they have to take that kind mm. of a route. And if I'm not mistaken, part of the business strategy was to say they'll start local, then go regional, you know, bit by bit, stuff like that. So if they have to start local, then there's no way they can go back to the way they used to do. I mean, even in our own teams this day, the one that used to give people fruits for free, they're no longer doing that. No, 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 no. And and I don't think it's something that's unique to us, uh, Mark. I mean, I think the airline industry globally has fallen on some tough times. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think just the SAA issue for for me is so much secrecy, so much smoke and daggers. You know, it's... um, And it's not supposed to be because it's our money. Yeah, I mean, so if a prerequisite is that we need public money, you know, to underwrite and, uh, you know, uh, I guess... uh, uh, draw in other private investors. Who are these private investors? I mean, at this point, it seems like, you know, these are amorphous people chilling in the shadows. Um, but but let's shift away from that. Talking about a payoff for the banks, uh, Makwe, it seems the debate, uh, certainly in the industry you're part of, uh, continues about transforming uh, the asset management industry uh, and uh, I guess the allocation of uh, the South African pool of savings. Uh, what's happening here, Makwe, and what are some of the debates? I mean, we know that South African... Uh, black asset managers, um, you know, control, um, I guess, uh, relatively a rather insignificant uh, p- proportion of all of the uh, pool of savings that we have in the country. You know, we're talking just plus minus 9%. You know, mm. in range terms, we're talking just above almost 668 billion. Out of 7 and trillion. This, I can hear? No, I'm saying out of 7 trillion. Exactly. So it just shows you that going you are very very difficult and i guess just like most industries the barrier to enter especially for black professionals continues to be very challenging mm. but what's worrisome here 
if we have to break that down, you know, you take black professionals or black-owned asset managers. These are the guys who've got the very same skills that the big firms and white guys have because we get to be trained from the same schools. We've got mm. to be trained from some of the same firms. We know how to analyze and interpret the same way. Basically, we, in fact, we are not even competing with the local guys. We more compete with our international peers yes. because we get to invest in those international companies. Mm. You are Tencent, you are, uh, you are Apple. So the interpretation thereof is the same. And at certain point, we even get the same international, uh, what you call it, qualifications yes. that get to be regulated internationally. So the only thing is the question of the big guys are still dominating. They still know the right guys. They still take out the right guys to the right places. Mm. And they continue to have that kind of allocation. And what's worrisome here, maybe we need to be honest with this whole thing. This is the workers' money because this industry is mainly dominated by pension funds, provident funds, and also your life covers, you know, your retirement annuities. And those are mainly, you know, workers' money. Mm. And the very same workers, that the very same companies end up not treating fairly, end up when it suits them, they call them their most important assets. But when it comes to managing those funds, they feel that that better positions to do that compared to black professionals. Mm. And it cannot carry on like this. It's just so unfortunate. And yes, it's not only the asset management industry, it's most industries. Sure. And I think we have to move to a point where we stop paying lip service. We cannot be talking these things, you know, today. Mm. After so many years, this cannot be right. Yeah. In fact, it's more of an embarrassment more hey, than anything. Ruth, you know? So, so the Deputy Minister of Finance, um, Dr. David Masondo, um, you know, I guess uh, quite concerned about, um, even though there is some consolidation and there's the dominant players in the space, he still feels that there's just too many funds um, that are active out there. What's your comment on that, Mark, where I guess in the context of uh, the suggestion that you were making earlier, that um, even though there's about 1,500 active funds, it seems it's still the very established big white players uh, in the space who continue to, I guess, be chosen by owners of capital and some of the trustees who represent them? You know, starting with the trustees, you know, unfortunately, as we know, that uh, trustees, you get some appointed by the employer than some by the workers. Unfortunately, most of those who are employed by the workers, they seem not to be understanding the industry. And as a result, they outsource all this responsibility to what they call investment consultants, who then give allocations to the previously went old firms. But yes, consolidation, it should be something natural for just any other industry. Don't force people to consolidate, you know. So mm. it's something that people will say that, listen, everything stands here, well, you get to have to consolidate because the industry dynamics have changed, whether it's because of COVID, whether because of any other reason. I think that has to happen in a natural way. Yes, there can be so many facts out there if they can all exist. I don't see a problem. But if there's a need for consolidation, I don't think even people will have to remind us. It will just automatically happen, mm. just like in most industries. But yes, it will be good as well with us as black asset managers. Maybe instead of having 55, 60 of us, maybe we end up having half of us, you know, we just join forces together mm. because I don't think it's right to operate in such a way that we continue to have this boutiques, then you yeah, end up having yeah. more or less duplicating things. So yeah, it's something worth looking at. And I don't think the 
industry will resist all that only if it makes sense to everyone and it continues to serve the industry as a whole, meaning make mm-hmm. sure that we give the proper returns to those kind of investors. Yes, because the other concern is, is certainly on the part of your clients. I mean, you know, if you're sitting on a very, um, I guess, uh, relatively smaller assets under management, you've got a strong sort of uh, cost base of, uh, you know, uh, people administering the funds and allocating all of that capital. It certainly does raise alarm bells, you know, if people are competing on fees, you know, at a time when, you know, there's all of these passive index funds that are out there saying, look, you know, you actually shouldn't be giving your money to somebody like Markwe, you know, you can just give it to an algorithm to run. Um, and, and these are all the shifts, Markwe, I would assume are going to face the pursuit of transformation in this sector. Definitely. And hence I'm saying uh, consolidation is going to happen because of different dynamics. And anyone, anyway, in any sector who resists change, who resists to consolidate, then you'll be left out. So for me, that one is not a big issue mm. because automatically or naturally at some point, stuff like that will force people to consolidate. What I'm trying to say is if there's still an opportunity to have 100 and 100 can still exist and continue to give good service, then yes, they will exist. But should things change for whatever reason, mm-hmm. whether it's going to be COVID or whatever, then you have to end up with 40 out of 100, then it happens. And sure. it's not specific to this industry. It happens to all the industries. Mm-hmm. Look what Neil Froldman said about the big mines, that the likes of Sibaya, Goldfish and whatever, probably they have to match mm-hmm. to avoid being an overseas takeover target. So all I'm saying is, is something that has to happen in all the industries mm-hmm. as long as the dynamics require that whatever consolidation has to happen, then surely it will happen. The power politics of global finance. I mean, uh, I guess that's that becomes uh, what comes to mind, Mark. Let's shift our attention to Finland, uh, where Nokia and many South African consumers would be familiar with this brand. Uh, but uh, probably not familiar with it in its different iterations as a cloud business, as a, you know, as a, um, an infrastructure and a network provider. Uh, but yeah, they set now to cut 10,000 jobs as they continue to streamline their operations uh, in pursuit of uh, the pole position in the world of 5G. And uh, I guess I must say, Mark, from where I'm sitting, uh, that seems unlikely. Dynamics have changed, you know. I mean, the highway, the Ericsson's are leading the back. So Nokia have to make sure that they adjust to cut those kind of employees mm. because they couldn't make it. They had to lose some of the contracts in the U.S. when it comes to 5G. And all I'm saying is this is how business operates to get to a point where you have to change strategy, where you have to adapt to the new way of doing things. Because if you don't, then unfortunately, you'll be forced to close your doors. And yes, it's not surprising that yes, over a period of two years, the guys are looking at cutting almost 11% of their workforce from the current 90,000 or so to almost maybe 80 or whatever, 85 going forward. So yes, because the situation requires that competition is just so tough for them, but they will still be able to compete because here they are, they've got a plan to be able to continue to be sustainable. And especially when it comes to the 5G space, because seemingly that's the way to go for now. Yeah, yeah, it seems it's, uh, I guess, going to be a tough race to the apex of uh, the 5G revolution. And uh, we're going to be watching that one particularly closely, Mark. But let's come home to the retail sector here where ShopRite, uh, I guess, uh, came out uh, with a very stoic, a presentation earlier on today, but uh, I must say, Mark, I mean, uh, 
probably had their fingers burnt out in Angola there. And uh, I guess the lesson of, um, you know, um, operations in a very oil-reliant economy at a time when people across the world aren't moving around. Definitely. Dynamics have changed. The guys are moving from the biggest market in Africa, which is Nigeria. Apparently, for them to sell those supermarkets, they are at the stage where they're just looking for approvals. Mm. February 2021, they, they sold their last store in Kenya. Yes, Nigeria, as you said, they made losses of almost when it comes to revenue, 40% in rent terms, because things are not working out. There's mm. some supply disruptions. In other instances, they've got issues to get their money out. But the guys are doing well back home, which accounts for almost 78% of their sales. And also they're moving up nicely Mm. when it comes to capturing those higher LSM, you know, with their new stores, their neighborly stores, and they're going to be able to give Woolworths a good competition. Have you seen these stores? Or or maybe am I living in the wrong neighborhood? You are, brother. Maybe I am, Chief, because I haven't seen... No, sorry, not maybe, you are. I certainly haven't seen these fresh ex stores. I'm not sure if we're allowed to mention names where they are, but definitely they are. Yeah, no, no, no. Clearly, I'm in the slums there. Because, I mean, I've never seen a fresh ex store. I've never seen these stores that they say they're going to... Don't say that loudly because now that's embarrassing. They are. No, man. Come on. Come on. Hey, who knows? But honestly... Maybe I need a housing subsidy. They've revamped some of them and especially in this, your kind of suburbs, you know, they've tried to make sure that at least they continue to attract the right LSM, you know, that they wanted to attract, which is the Woolworths kind of mm, LSM. Mm. And definitely they're making decent inroads when it comes to that. And remember also that is a reward program. And I like yes. the way and they the balance app. things. Mm. As much as they want to go up to the higher LSM, mm. they're not forgetting about us, the middle sure, to lower sure. LSM, because they've got a nice reward program for us, who so far is sitting with almost 17 million uh, rewards mm. members. Mm. You know, Marco, one of the things we don't talk about, about a model like that, is that uh, you're never going to be able to win there if you don't have uh, a very well-oiled distribution machine. And if you go to the sure. East Rand, uh, not too far from the airport, that side of things, you see a lot of these distribution centers of the major retailers. Sure. You know, how big uh, a part is that going to play, that edge in distribution and being able, uh, I guess, to pursue their goals and uh, taking a lot of, uh, I guess, lunch away from the likes of Woolworths and many others who serve that uh, upper end of the market? I think that machinery for them is well-oiled. And the beauty is well-oiled in all spheres. Whether it's your lower, lower LSM mm. trying to deliver to the likes of your USAFE somewhere in some township or some sure. semi-rural area or to to, 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 to distribute it to the high end, they've got it all well, well, well oiled. And so far, they don't have issues. The issues with distribution, it was mainly in Africa. Mm. But as it stands now, I think that's it well to give the likes of Woolworths run for their money. The, very soon, we'll be hearing them about having some farmers who are solely distributing or uh, farming for them so that it's exclusively to them. But mm. I think them running a parallel process, not ignoring the lower to the middle to lower LSM and also targeting the higher LSM, that will bode very well for them mm. in the future. And remember, the guys are cash flush. I mean, profits were up almost uh, 10%. 
also what is interesting when it comes to their debt was reduced by almost 5.9 billion mm. to almost 5.5 billion. So it shows you that cash is not a problem with them. Dividends were increased by almost 22%. That's very impressive. And that capital gain is going to make their shareholders very happy. I mean, if you look at the Africa Food and Drug Index on the FTSE and the JSE, they've outperformed that uh, by almost double. So you can imagine even a in comparison to some of the peers in the retail sector, knocking the lights out uh, when it comes to their share price performance. Makwe, I see she had up, Hola. Eitara. That there was uh, Makwe Maselela speaking to us uh, for our wrap of the top business stories.